This episode is brought to you by NordVPN. Listen up, nerds. No. Good evening, Mr. and Mrs. America, from border to border and coast to coast and all the ships at sea. What? Hello, friends. Do you have a computer? Of course you do, because it's not 1987. Hell, you're listening to this on some kind of computer right now. But do you have a VPN? Oh, (laughs) what's a VPN, you ask? Well, my friend, a VPN is a virtual private network and it offers two key benefits. Enhanced privacy and security online. But VPNs do a lot more than that. VPNs shield your IP address, change your browsing location, and make online life easier. It's all about safety and security, my friends. But, like everything else in life, it's also about watching TV. Don't let your paid subscriptions go to waste. I use NordVPN to access my home content while I'm traveling. Wink, wink. Plus, secure your connection on public Wi-Fi in airports, hotels, cafes, anywhere you go when you're traveling. There's over 6,300 servers in 111 countries, and you can find a nearby server for the best VPN speeds. NordVPN is easy to use. Connect with one click or enable auto-connect for zero-click protection. And it's got amazing speed. NordVPN is one of the fastest VPNs out there. And with just one NordVPN account, you can use it on six devices. It supports every major platform, Windows, Android, iOS, Mac OS, Linux, even Android TV. I think those are all real. Don't miss out on all the awesome benefits for using a VPN. Go to nordvpn.com ifanboy today for a risk-free 30-day money-back guarantee. The link's in the show notes. Once again, that's nordvpn.com ifanboy. This show is sponsored by BetterHelp. Um, you ever feel like you really need to get something off your chest? This is this this is a, like a real thing. Like, if you're mad, if you're upset, if uh, if there's something going on, like the I, there's there's often for me an idea. Maybe it's a wrong. Maybe it's a moment. It's it's an injustice. It's something that because you, you keep going on and on over and over in your mind about it, and like that can create anger and resentment or shame, whatever it is. And very often. I have found, I am not a therapist, I have found that when you let it out, when you give it voice, when you say it out loud, um, sometimes it makes you feel better because you've, you've expressed it. And sometimes it makes you realize like, oh, this is not a big deal that I've, it's been stuck in my head. So you give voice to those things um, and it can make you feel a lot better. And shock of all shocks, therapy is one of those things that can help you do that. It can help you be able to say those things in a place where you don't need to worry about the repercussions of it, work your way through it, uh, figure out coping skills, how to get around it, you know, find, find ways to deal with that stuff instead of letting it fester. Um, if you are thinking of starting therapy, uh, if anything I said sounds familiar, you're like, oh, maybe my life would be a little better if I could deal with that kind of thing. You should give BetterHelp a try. It's fully online. It is convenient, flexible. It is suited to your schedule. That's the idea. That's what they're going for. Um, you can fill out a brief questionnaire to get matched with a licensed therapist. That's a big deal. You can switch therapists at any time for no additional charge. That that personal connection, I believe, to be super important. Again, I'm not a professional. Uh, get it off your chest with BetterHelp. Visit BetterHelp.com slash iFanboy today. You get 10% off your first month. That is BetterHelp, H-E-L-P dot com slash iFanboy. You're listening to the iFanboy Pick of the Week podcast, episode 347, brought to you by the Seagate GoFlex satellite, graphically, and iFanboy listeners like you. Old man, look at my life. I'm a lot like you were. Old man, look at my life. I'm a lot like you were. my life 24 
for and there's so much more. Hey, welcome to the iFanboy.com Pick of the Week podcast. This is episode 347. I am Josh Flanagan. I'm here with Connor Kilpatrick. Hello. And the internet's Paul Montgomery. What happened? <laughs> <laughs> Your Jim Ignatowski moment. <laughs> At iFanboy.com. Well, we, we should explain. Ron is out. He's, uh, oh, he's flying. I don't with so. Paul being here, it just what seems normal. What does yeah. a yellow light mean? <laughs> Ron yeah, is flying, as, as often happens in the summertime. So Paul ably stepped in. He calls Not so away. ably. I woke up. I feel like garbage. But uh, I'm here. Uh, it's episode 347. I didn't want to miss this milestone. So I looked in the medicine cabinet. I... Uh, I just went any meeny miny mo, and hopefully it'll be okay. It might get a little loopy, might get a little strange, but uh, it'll be fun. It'll be good times, and I, I love what you guys do for the, the comic book industry and for the pet <laughs> community. And so I wanted to be here because I know this means a lot to you guys, and it means a lot to me too. And I shaved half of my face. <laughs> At iFanboy.com, we like comics and we read comics, and every week these guys read a bunch of comics, and then one of them picks one and writes about it on the website, and then we talk about it on this year podcast, along with various other topics of interest. And I'm not reading that. You guys put, <laughs> you guys, you guys are silly. You put things in the scripts. You're trying to. I thought I, know I thought we'd get you because I know Josh was expecting it, but I thought maybe when you took over, I, I forget about it every week. Okay. I'm not, yeah. I'm not. Ron Burgundy. <laughs> Before we get to the show, we're going to be talking about what happens in the comic books that we have read and that we are talking about. So if you have not read them, you could have plot points spoiled for you. You wouldn't Whoa, want that, that or you might not part care. Of the deal. You know about this. I didn't sign on for that. You know. Deal so, with it. You're warned. Connor, you had the pick of the week. A breezy week for you, I assume. Yeah, it was a, it was a, it was a bizarrely light week. It felt like a fifth week when I went through that pull list to make the, my my list on ifanboy.com/comics. I uh, was surprised. I had I actually added a few I wasn't planning on buying just to sort of fill out the list because I felt like uh, with the pick I would have had not a lot of choices. But I ended up with Spider-Man number t- four, which I I wrote Spider-Man about almost every time in the pick of the week review and had to go through with a fine tooth comb and fix it. Because as long as you have the capitalization, the hyphen correct, is nobody yes. going to hold it against you. Spider-Man number four from Marvel Comics by Brian Michael Bendis and Sarah Pacelli. And we, we've all, I think, on the whole enjoyed this series. It's been a fun little diversion. Great art from Sarah Pacelli. Bendis is, you know, Bendis is Sp- Ultimate Spider-Man. I can't, this is what the one kind of Marvel DC book I can't imagine without another writer. I think if he ever left the book, it would have to end because it's, it's his book. And... What you have in this issue is this the scenes I think we've all been waiting for once they announced this crossover. And when, we not, when they announced the crossover, we, we all were like, okay, that's probably not a good idea. But they did it. And once they do do it, the, the real reason to doing this crossover is not so Spider-Man can beat up Mysterio. It's so Peter Parker can go sit down with May and, and Gwen from the Ultimate Universe and have a little chat. And that's what we got in this issue was in the last issue, the cliffhanger was Peter is now in the Ultimate Universe. And he shows up at Aunt May's house where Gwen Stacy is living with her and uh, the emotional fallout resumes. And in many ways, this was kind of the culmination of Bendis's 12-year run on the book. Because Peter's dead. It happened in a weird sort of crossover. May and Gwen, there was a lot of crying about it, but they never really got closure because Peter's dead. And now they actually get to talk to the grown-up adult Peter Parker and, and they get to sort of vent their... Emotions. That always helps me grieve. Just to meet the Just talking to an alternate reality version of the person yeah. I lost. It really helps. I usually hire an actor 
who then comes in and portrays them, and I get to hug them and talk about who they're dating in the other world and things like that. But uh, it reminded me a lot of the scene in the last season of ER, the one where George Clooney came back and they sat that he was sitting in the break room. Josh, do you remember with Bennett, like Beckham, and the girl from Freaks and Geeks, and they uh, talked about who they knew in their various times at County General, and nobody knew anything. Oh, I remember that. See, I don't remember that part. I remember the seeing him on the dock. Did he come back later? Yeah, yeah. He came back. Oh, the, the very end. The very end. Yeah, yeah. The last season. See, I don't, yeah, that's that last. Yeah, I don't remember that, actually. Well, they're like, were you there for that? I'm like, no, I wasn't around for that one. I remember this. Uh, yeah, I kind of remember that. that. And it's like, yeah, it reminded me of that because, you know, it's, it's so, it's, it is so different. I, I like the scene where they talked about how Peter and the Ultimate Universe dated Kitty Pride, and regular Peter was like, really? Kitty Pride? From the X-Men? And it was tinged with sadness because Gwen kept wanting to know about her adult self, and it, you could tell sort of a gut punch every time she Awkward. asked Awkward. And uh, I also got the feeling that she was crushing a little bit on older Peter because he's older and more mature, and he, she used to like him. So, and it was just it was a great sort of funny stuff tinged with an undercurrent of sadness because May is sad because her surrogate son is dead. Peter's sad because he's hanging out with Gwen as she was the last time he saw her. Pretty much, you know, she died as a teenager, and here she is as a teenager. And I just loved the emotional release of it all. I thought Bendis wrote great scenes between everybody. I liked Miles. Miles just sort of in the background tinkering with the web shooters. He felt very appropriate in the spot anyway, even though he didn't say much. He, he was sort of the eyes of the audience. You know, he made the sad face when sad face was appropriate. And, and he had to <laughs> very awkwardly make them end the scene when they had to leave. And then there was the great silent Mary Jane Peter moment. And it just, I just loved... I mean, this is this is you know kind of like this Ultimate Spider-Man 13 moment for this series. You know, this sort of quiet, emotional stuff, which is which is you know the the good stuff in the, in comics. And and I also like then I you know also likes Peter hanging out with Ultimate Drunk Tony Parker. Tony Tony Parker. No, he's blind. He's in the Spurs. Uh, Tony Stark, who uh, is drunk and funny and was that drunk. guy's blind. Uh, Tony Parker got his he almost got blinded in a fight over the summer. It's the whole thing. I loved it. I love this issue from top to bottom. I saw the I, I didn't read it because I didn't the first issue I, you know, but uh, I saw the panel that you put up and I must say that if they had hinted at more of this in that first issue, I would have been a lot more hooked because I, I find these ideas very interesting. Well, I, it, you, knew, it, you knew it had to happen. That's the thing. Yeah, you know, I, I, yeah, probably. Um, and I know I saw that panel that you put up, and I, even I got like a little like like hairs in the back of my neck. I was like, oh, that's awful. In, in a good way, like in yeah. a in a. Well, that's a, that's a great story point. It, you know, it really actually leads me to. I don't tend to think of this of Ultimate Peter as being the same guy. You know what I mean? Right. Like like I think of him as a, a different like he's got the same name, he, you know, but they all kind of looked a little different and but this would seem to suggest that they really are the same person. Well, yeah, that's that's the ultimate reality. They look the same. They just they're different. It's a nature nurture thing. Like but you know, everything about them physically and mentally is exactly the same. It's just a I would say mentally, because you've them. got people who are different personality wise. Yeah. But but the Would you say Aunt May is the same? Yeah, well that's the question. And May would be the same as a young Grant May in the in the in, at least physically, well, not not again, not not necessarily personality wise. Well say that it's they're sort of, it's sort of not like a one to one, because like Right. That's what I was getting, because they weren't presented that way originally. They were different, you know, they were of different ages. They had different, you know, Aunt May in the like comic when, has always when, been 90. Yeah, when mainstream Aunt May was that age, like Peter wasn't, maybe right. wasn't born yet, or he was much younger than ultimate Peter Parker. So it's, it's a little the, bit different. But they would the all same, basically look the same. They have the same, you know, the same sort of But it's of the same raw material, though. If, if ultimate Paul Montgomery walked in right now, he'd look the same, just with a very evil goatee. 
Or would, or would Paul be the, go- the evil one, and then regular Paul cookie. would walk in without? I think we're just all evil. Okay. Well, this was the issue they had to have. There's, there's really no reason to yeah. do this story without this issue. Um, That's it's, true. It's to get them together in the room. And there's a great scene at the end when, when Peter's leaving to go back with Nick Fury and, and Aunt May's crying, looking after him, basically saying, I did a good job. You know, like, like basically talk, you know, talking to the other, the other Aunt May. You know, it, it was the emotional release of all the stuff that's been going on and, and just wonderful stuff. Wonderful silent panels that allowed Sarah Pacelli to really just have the characters act, which she's really good at. You know, a lot of stuff in the eyes. Uh, just great. Just great stuff. If you've been reading Ultimate Spider-Man for 12 years like we have, God. And we talked about it. We talked about it last week, Josh, when you said it was like fast food this this point. Yeah. 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 If you've been reading it so long that it's sort of in your lexicon without even thinking about it this was sort of the emotional release and you can josh you can pick this issue up and not read yeah yeah i I do i really actually do want to go through and read read the thing i think i i I think i'd like to just read it one thing because the the single issue here that was my plan i want to i wanted to wait until it was collected because it was so i read the first one as well and bailed because it was just so decompressed and it's good it's just i didn't want to have to you know read it in monthly chunks or whatever i wanted all together. The I way kind of wonder. I kind of wonder why this would have been kind of cool to put in the regular series. Yeah, I don't know. And 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 as a, as even like a, and I like what's going on in the regular series now. I have no problem with it. But even as a way to like sort of those in continuity series like events, you know, like and I feel like they don't do that anymore. Every time right. something is the slightest bit interesting, they break it out into something else. Yep. You know, like uh, if you think Batman's a great example, you know, year one took place in the issues. The yeah. only place of dying took place in the issues. This would have been a cool thing to take place in the issues. I agree. I, I, you know, I certainly agree. You know, it's the same artist. It's the same everything. Why not? Yeah, because they can, they can break it out and sell two books. Yeah. Basically. No, I, I, I get it. I just uh, I think that'd be cool. I wish they'd do that more. Those are the kind of things yeah. that are really cool about reading ongoing comics. No, I, I agree. But if you are at all a fan of these characters, you can pick up Spider-Man for... Just just knowing what where they all are in the world at that time and not worry about the story. But at the same time, you know, the last page is Peter and Ultimate Spider-Man and Thor and Iron Man going off into battle. And I kind of am looking forward to that. I kind of want to see how they play off each other, you know, because they are different. Did one of you get parakeets? No. I hear birds. Okay, go ahead. Did you take Whatever you were saying. Alzheimer's medicine? I'm, it's fine. So I, I loved it. I loved everything about it. It made me smile, made me happy. It made me laugh. You know, it was very emotional, which is what a good comic should should be. Now, I think the one I was ex- expecting to be picked Luke is Batman number twelve, the art by Becky Cloonan, which I loved. The only thing I have a negative thing to say about this issue was there wasn't a backup story. It was just the continuation of the main story, written by a different writer and drawn by a different artist, which was it was weird. it was weird. Yeah, it was weird. Yeah. And but at up, first, up. I I thought, okay, well, and they've done this before that when you switch to the point of view. Of like when Batman shows up, everything looks yes. different, and I was like, okay, that's fine. But then they went back, but without changing the other part. Right, right they I went just, back to Harper like, Row. It could have been maybe planned out better with like when Batman shows up, it looks one way. When Batman's gone, it looks the other way. Right, yeah. it may have been a more a more effective planning of how to do that. And they're both good artists, but there's different inkers throughout, mm-hmm. right? And so some of the Becky Cloonan pages don't look as good as other ones. The no, Andy there's, Clark no, there's stuff only one looks great. I think, it look, I think that right. Oh, it's just two inkers for the two different artists. No, there's only one inker listed at all. I think maybe Becky Cloonan inks. You're lying. Yeah, there's only one inker listed at all. No. I think that she inked herself on some of the pages. Maybe. Yeah. Maybe that's thing. Anyway, I thought her art was wonderful. I don't see. Yeah. Her, I don't see her enough. She just draws books I'm not overly interested in. So. Uh, when I do get to see her, it's, it's just fantastic. She's a great, 
cartoonist. This is this is wonderful. I really like this character a lot, Harper Rose. She had a great introduction earlier on in the series where the, she used like a car battery to jumpstart Batman after he got you know, like he was next to dead because after the, the, the Talon beat him up. Yeah, he was yeah. down in the labyrinth and everything, and so. This, 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 so that's a great introduction. It's like, who is this girl? And I hope we find out more about her. And it, it's, it's taking a little bit, but I kind of like the way that Snyder did that, sort of giving this tease to the character, and then, and then coming back later and, and give us, giving us more of her story. And she's this, this girl, and she works down in the power grids and repairing stuff. And she repairs stuff in her apartment, and she lives in the not so nice section of Gotham. She live, does she live in the Narrows? Yes. Yeah. The, the like the urethra of uh, Gotham City, <laughs> and uh, it's, it's not. Not the best place to live, and and her so brother. Hand, I don't know. She has a she has a civil service job. She should be doing okay. <laughs> right, yeah, but, uh, she has a she has a brother. I don't know if they they clarify that if he's older or younger, but he's younger. He's, I think he said it. Was is it okay? Yeah. And so and he's gay, and he's getting harassed by people in in the area, and uh, and um, there's a some really traumatic scenes where he gets messed up pretty bad, and they and they cut the word fag into the back of his head. And she says, "Let me go get the clippers." And you know, she, you know, he assumes that he, uh, she's going to clean up his hair and, and fix this, uh, but instead she does it to her own head. And that's such an interesting like character choice and such a, like yeah. a brave thing for a person to do. Um, and I love that scene where they walk into to school together the next day and everyone's staring at them, and she totally you know embraces. You why know, is she Why is she different. at school if she's well? She's either working a night job. Or she's walking in with him while he, yeah, he's at school. Okay. But I, either way, that's, she has that's a bag, real... so I assume she's working and going to school since they've got no other source of income. Yeah, I think. What yeah. I think is is really interesting about this is now I was reading it is uh, it's not really in DC's best inf- interest to push up what is essentially in this age a political agenda, and yet they keep doing it over and over again, which I think is kind of brave and really interesting. Yeah, I was kind of like, wow, this is like, I mean, this is their biggest selling book, you know, across the board. There's no, you know, there's no red blue lines in it, and they're just, they're just, you know, from Scott Snyder to a certain extent, but you know, the whole company is just saying, you know, we're, we're going to go ahead and make this message part of it, which is great. It should be. I've, I've no. I just, no- I just, I look forward to when we don't have to like describe it in terms of it being, and you know, an, an issue or an agenda or anything like that. It's just, it's just characters. And, yeah, I think. Yeah. I think- um, just but I mean, but but in today's climate, you're, you're right, talking about sure. election like it is. Like, there's no way that it doesn't there's, get read. Yeah, there's like no that. escaping that. But I liked her interactions with Alfred a lot. I thought that was yes. a great dynamic. Yes, and I like that. You know, this in many years ago, probably the '90s or, or early 2000s, this was a, a regular thing would be to flesh out the world around Batman mm-hmm. and tell this stories is... in Gotham. They'd have side characters like Harold would would be around. He was a tinker and. And people like that, and, and you sort of got away from that, and you know, for a long time, it's just sort of focused like a laser on the, the the superheroes. So it's nice again to sort of build out the world around him. Um, I like that that Snyder is doing. I mean, this could be his Sasha, right? You know, Sasha. I forget her last name. Or uh, yeah, was that it? Yeah, Sasha she was. Um, you know, during Greg Rucka's really long and excellent Detective Comics run, you know, she was a huge character in that, yeah. and she's she's gone now. But you know, she was also a, a great Pepperidge Farm bookie. I mean, honestly, if you were going to do, if you were going to do a Lady Robin, if you were going to do a Carrie, this looks like a real big, real big start for it. Or she could just be the the, the technical, you know, wizard helper that that you know she's yeah. very good with 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 te- with technology and, and sort of um, Lady MacGyver esque. And I hate putting the lady in front of anything as a qualifier, but she does she does you know sort of build with yeah. what she's got and. And I'd honestly, I'd prefer it that way that they don't go the Robin direction. Because there's already eighteen of them. 
Yeah, there's no, a, and I, I know, already, but if they were going they're to. clearly yeah. editorially trying to streamline it and, you know, distancing um, uh, Tim Drake from even being a Robin. You know, they're talking about him, you know, just being Red Robin first and not a Robin. So they're, they're really trying to streamline it. And so I don't think they want to add that. And I think it's, it's cooler that she's just this additional character and she has her own thing. And, but yeah, like you were saying, fleshing out Gotham and, and its people, it's, it's kind of cool, you know, when they're looking up online, she and her brother about, um, you know, people have viral videos, you know, like yeah. go up on YouTube and there's video of Batman and, and, uh, the brothers talking about, you know, getting like a Batman tattoo because he, he saved them from, uh, like a gang attack. And it's something that, these days, we haven't seen so much, so I'm, I'm glad that he's brought that back into the or fold. Or sneaking into the Wayne function so she can meet Tim Drake, like that kind of thing, you know? Yeah, great. yeah, like the public persona of not just Batman, but of the Wayne Bruce family. Wayne yeah. and the I bet family. those are great cupcakes. Oh my god. <laughs> oh, we're doing this before lunch. This is a mistake. Now, another big, big one that I actually <laughs> picked up uh, last minute was Godzilla, The Half Century War Number 1 from James Stoko, who does Orc Stain, which I love, which is a book of the month pick of mine. Um, wasn't meaning to, <laughs> I'm getting very emotional apparently, or dying, one of the two. <laughs> wasn't meaning to pick it up, because I'm not a huge Godzilla fan. I like Godzilla in the abstract, but I always find I get kind of bored with Godzilla stories. But I thought this was an artistic tour de force, much like Orkstein is. Uh, James yes. Stoko r- does all the stuff for the book. And uh, except for the lettering, I think Todd Klein lettered it, or am I crazy? Or was that another book? No, that was Punk Rock Jesus. Never mind. And uh, just, just go on on your own here, buddy. I'm, I, I, I should have taken the medicine, apparently, because I can't talk and I'm <laughs> dying. Um, what I thought was the story was okay. It was very much an introduction. I'm much more interested in it as the story is going to progress. The title of the book is The 50th Century War, and appar- or The Half Century War, and apparently this main character who was a tank uh, operator in, in Tokyo and Godzilla attacked and when he was young is going to be fighting Godzilla all through his life. And I'm much more interested in seeing that progression yeah. as I was, than I was this first story, which was fine. You know, it's a Godzilla attack story, which is, which is you know, which, what is, it is what it is. But it, it was, looked just wonderful. Yeah, it's, it's definitely a setup issue, establishing the fact that this guy started out in his youth, going out on, on some weird, you know, military thing and finding out that, oh, God, this is, this is a huge, like, they didn't know what Godzilla was. This is 1954, which is when the original movie came out. And um, I, I really like the fact that if you're, if you're a big Godzilla fan, of the like especially the original film um which is a little bit different than the many many sequels that have come out since then godzilla's gone through many iterations but this really goes into the mythology of that first film where godzilla is killed at the end there's a a thing called they allude to it in here the like the oxygen destroyer where godzilla is underwater and the scientist with an eye patch goes down and um they put down this it, it, it it's dubious science but like wait what it's dubious <laughs> it's pretty dubious science, but because I was with it up until the giant energy breathing lizard. No, no, I'm saying I'm saying it's dubious science because they try to explain it a lot. Like you they don't never, just you should never do that in, sci- in that kind yeah, of sci-fi. Yeah, they, they like never. try to explain it. like they remove oxygen particles from the water and that destroys like it. You actually see Godzilla dissolve down into bones in the water, and it it makes sense. And the, and the scientist like sacrificed himself. Would the really water also matter. disappear if you really oxygen right? It's, from it? Yeah, it's it doesn't make any sense. But they killed um, all the fish. <laughs> but I like how there's a lot of crazy moments in here, and it's Godzilla chasing a Sherman tank through crazy Tokyo and and destroying buildings and stuff. 
and all these hot pink colors and 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 purples and blues and stuff but then like his narration is kind of there's a little bit of poetry to it it's sort of like you're you're it's like you're reading the journal of this uh oda murakami guy is the main character and you can tell that he's like towards the end of his life he's writing back about his experiences with godzilla and as a fan of godzilla in general i'm excited because of what you said connor about how we're going to see this guy go through five issues and age through the decades and experience Godzilla in different ways, but also because Godzilla went through many different versions. I'm wondering if Stoko is going to just do a consistent Godzilla throughout where Godzilla is the same, or if he's going to change the design to reflect like how he looked in the seventies right. and, and, uh, and, and when it was like goofy and stuff. So I'm, I'm kind of interested in that, but like also just Stoko is just amazing and really exciting to watch. I, I like Godzilla as a concept. I used to have a great Godzilla toy as a kid that was really way too sharp to be given to a kid. Like the, the spikes in the back, you could have yeah. really taken someone's eye out with. But I used to flail it around. It was awesome. The only issue that I had with this is that the, the dialogue of the characters didn't seem correct. It was not period specific and they didn't really sound like Japanese soldiers. But like they didn't speak in Japanese? No, but it just it just was it was really like it sounded like like current American slang more than anything, which didn't take didn't really take away from it. But I, I kept noticing it um, just in even just their attitudes. I mean, I've read a lot about the Japanese military and they're pretty. Yeah, but it's you know, it's not a real life story. I know. I know. Listen, I'm willing to go with the giant lizard. I'm willing to go with the oxygen weapon, but they got to talk right. It's sort of it's it reads kind of like like eighties like anime kind of yep. it's like it's sort of like like Akira in a way and um, yeah. he does draw it in more of a manga style than even as normal at least with the characters. It's just Although, a, a thing I noticed. He's gorgeous. This is him drawing humans and not orcs and they don't, so they don't look a, a whole different. lot different. Yeah, <laughs> it's just coloring really and hair. <laughs> but it was definitely I'm 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 around I'm sticking but it's just, around. It's beautiful, right? I mean, it's yeah. just. Yeah. Every page is just painstaking. This is the kind of story made for him to draw. Just giant yeah. destruction by a giant creature. And, yeah. So Valiant is making its appearance in the show. In yeah. The segment. Yeah, they, they got to me, you know? I have, <laughs> we had to do it. Uh, no, I was interested in this one. Again, I, don't, I, I know nothing about any of these Valiant books. I never read them the first time. I wasn't even aware of them because I wasn't reading comics then. Um, so uh, I picked this one up solely on the fact that it was Fred Van Lente. And I, I like to give this. Uh, Archer and Armstrong, number one. And it was cool because i didn't have any idea what it was going to be yeah and i was even more surprised when i read it because i was i was kind of basically it starts off in one of these going to sound political again but not really because i like science theme parks for people who don't believe in evolution right creation. it's like uh, a creationist theme park yeah and yeah, they have uh, like cavemen riding on dinosaurs and there's and a they've got rush. they've got an army of kids that they have trained uh, in martial arts and and various other things, and to believe that we've only been around for six thousand years, and they take one of them, Archer, and they send him out. He's got to go and kill the bad guy, and so he goes to New York City, having never been in the world before, which is you know a funny premise. And then he gets in a big bar fight uh, with a bunch of bikers, and then finds out that he's met, he meets Armstrong, the guy who he's he's sent to hunt and kill, and they get captured by some bigger force. And it was fun, and I, I really like seeing the sort of tightrope that you have to walk between the, the political differences uh, that are going on between these characters and, and cultural differences. It was, you know, it was, was good-looking book. It was, it was fun. It was interesting. I've read a couple of the other ones, and they didn't really 
grab me one way or the other. Um, but I, I guess again, a little more because of I like I like the way that Fred, Fred Van Lenty's mind and even his sense of humor works. Um, I really see a lot of possibilities and stuff he can do with this as he as he goes forward. Um, and, and I don't know what it's gonna be. And it's um, and actually it's, so there's the the conservative like sort of theme park the creationist theme park. But then even before that, there's a scene in Ancient Ur. Mm-hmm. And it's like it's it's almost like this Conan the Barbarian kind of thing first, and then it then it jumps to that. So it's yeah, it's, re- it's it's a really interesting world that they've created, and it sort of reminded me like the sending Archer out, and you know having the, the other kids talk to him and saying, "Promise me that you'll you know no matter what happens, you'll never come back here." And it's yeah. sort of like the it's like that thing that when the Amish kids go out, it's like uh, room Perestroika. There you go. Room that room st- room springer. Rutabaga. Yeah, something like that. That thing, and where they go out, and and it's it's total culture shock. And it's very, it's very. Uh, I'm, I'm interested to see where this goes because it's, it's not really like anything else. Yeah, exactly. And, so, and, and the art's great too. Yeah, definitely. Um, so that's worth. That's definitely worth checking out. I'm, I'm glad that I did. I think and, if you took the American Vampire series on the whole, like the whole, the main series and the side books and everything, I, I just love the side books. I mean, yeah, I, I love it, the main series, but I think the side books have been a little better. I'm not sure why, but just I love them and I love American Vampire Lord of Nightmares this is number three of five and this is the uh, good guys dealing with the influence of Dracula and uh, without him actually being there and it was wonderful I, I just I love these side adventures that aren't that- it's, it's where they it's where they really it's where he really delves into the mythology yeah and then obviously each one you get a like a cool new artist so it's kind of exciting that way to see all these different concepts drawn by someone else not that <laughs> Albuquerque is anything you no, want to avoid. Great. Yeah, he's my but, it, but it is cool to. I mean, each of the artists that come in are, are very exciting. So I, yeah. I think at this point, I actually kind of, I just, I like these characters. I like Felicia Book. Yeah. And I liked, yeah, I like, yeah. uh, what was his name? Not, I want to say Cole Cash. But that, mean, no, no, not not, not the H. Uh, the one from the last one. Oh. The kid's father. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Cash Kogan. So, yeah, Kogan. Yes. I never remember character names. I'm pretty happy about that. I, I, I like these characters. I like the, what's going on that she's got the vampire baby she has to take care of. It's not a baby anymore. But then the vampire sort of – toddler with the cleaver. You know, the, the, and Dracula's in his head. And, and, and moreover, I mean, you, Dustin Gwynn uh, really getting to stretch on a different kind of uh, tone than he normally does in comics. You know, yeah. and if you look at that guy's DeviantArt page, it's all like superhero babies and cute – well, Chiba drugs, yeah. Yeah, and this is just like just evil. It's big, big monsters and vampires, and it's bloody and and violent. It's even slightly different than the, he does Batman Beyond Unlimited. Yeah. He that's pure super stuff. It's still this style, but this is way more darker and 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 rougher than that book. So that that's been a ton of fun, and I like these constant other caches and versions of vampires and the the uneasy. Uh, alliance that will go on between these guys and and the others, and then the Russians are coming for them. And oh, I, like, of... I like that the Soviets have stolen Dracula to use him as a weapon, and they, 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 it's way too much for them to handle, and it's been a disaster for them. And I like the fact that he turned on, and all these Carpathian vampire are uh, you know his his unspoken army. And I love the little kid at the cleaver trying to trying to trying to kill Lyndon, and he just won't stop. I loved everything about this. Yeah, this is this is I think it's still my favorite thing that Scott does. American Vampire, uh, it's great. Yeah, out of everything, I like that he can bounce around time and play with whatever he wants in the in the world because mm-hmm. it's he can do that. We want to thank our sponsor for making this show possible and the video shows and all that stuff. The Seagate GoFlex Satellite is the only wireless portable hard drive that streams content to your iPad and up to eight other devices. That is a lot of devices. 
uh, with a 500 gigabyte Wi-Fi access and rechargeable battery, satellite can carry your entire library of video, music, podcasts, and documents to be shared on your iPad or, or any other device. Really, it works with Android or uh, any other sort of Wi-Fi device. You can check it out by heading to uh, seagate.com slash iFanboy, where iFanboy listeners can, can put in the co- coupon code iFanboy to get 10% off. I'm, I'm holding one right now. Uh, it's it's a it's it's a hard drive that is portable and rechargeable with a Wi-Fi. Thing. If it's in your so, pocket and you don't have to it, fill up your iPad with with video files, you can. Too bad. If you think about it, say that you're buying an iPad, right? You want to buy the 16 gig one. It costs a certain amount, hundred bucks more for for another 16 gigs. With this same amount of, same amount, basically you get 500 gigs. So yeah. there's there's your math for the travelers out it's, there. It's a great little device. I've got one as well. You have kids. You just load that sucker up with you with, you, with your porn that you watch furtively and when they're in their you sleep. Wanna, you want to make sure that it's not those files. <laughs> okay. Back. To yeah, me. I mean, with that much space, you could fit like like at least three pornographic films at the bit rate that I choose to go with. Well, so there you go. You don't just like regular high def, right? You need to have like it has to be. 10 it has to be immersive. Yeah. yeah. What is so the, what is the kid like watching now? What is he watching now? What we watch cars every day. Cars every day. So you load cars up on your GoFlex satellite, and then you don't have to put it on your iPad. Yeah. What you, you would want to do that with your legitimate digital copy? Yes. Cars, with, two, cars, cars two. They all come with them now. They all come with digital copies. I, actually, yeah. I'm, I'm actually not even kidding. I have all of them. They've been a godsend because we have Apple TVs. Perfect. All right. So. Thank you to Seagate. Now, Marvel Universe, The Avengers, Earth's Mightiest Heroes, number five, which is a very long title, is the companion... all of the text. It's the companion book to the cartoon, which I think is the best Marvel cartoon of all time. That's just my opinion. Yep. Now, it's notable because, it's, A, it's a, fun, it's a fun book. If you enjoy the cartoon, you will enjoy the comic. It's written by Christopher Yost. There's two, always two stories, the main story and then a backup story. And the Christopher Yost, Ramon Box main story was fun. It was Captain America and Thor and Hawkeye and Iron Man and Wasp and the Vision fighting um, against the uh, Viper and her minions. But the backup story was a Captain America story drawn by Todd Nowak, who used to draw Young Justice way back in the Peter David days. Okay, cool. Written by Howard Chaikin. So that's a different thing. That was that was not out, not as expected, and it was not at all like Black Kiss Two. You'd be happy to note. Uh, I think we would have heard about that somewhere if it had been. But it's interesting to see the complete range of Howard Chaykin because he writes a fun all ages Cap story here. Guy was a TV writer for a while. Yeah, I mean. he's a, he's a he's a pro. I mean, this is it was just funny. I wasn't at all expecting it. This one features Bat, Bat Rock the Leaper. There's a there's a heist at the art museum and. This, this guy wants to hold all the French art ransom, so Batrock gets pissed off and shows up to, to, to defend France and also maybe steal one of the paintings. Is it that there weren't a lot of penises, or there were just none? Well, there was a couple, but not, uh, not to the extent of Black Kiss 2. They were covered. Yeah, no, I mean, they were, they were out in the open. But, uh, okay. Throwing out anything. I just, it's, it's always impressive when you see someone you don't expect doing a kind of book you don't expect and, and doing it well, as well as everything. I mean, Shaken can write anything. Is the do point. you buy this every time? Yeah, I do. I buy this, and I buy uh, the Green Lantern one, and I buy the Young Justice one. Well, all right. Yep. Uh, if you hadn't had enough of Becky Cloonan on Batman, you could also go and see what she does over in Conan. Conan the Barbarian, number seven. That uh, is how I like to say it, Conan. Conan the Barbarian. I um, movies. I love uh, – this is the start of a, of a new storyline uh, called Border Fury, and it's a really interesting concept. It's Conan and uh, his, his new lover – uh, Baylet, the queen of the Black Coast, uh, go back to Conan's hometown in, in Samaria. And he's going back there because he's heard rumors that there's this dude out there who's just been like raping and pillaging and, and murdering all around the countryside using his name. So he's, so he's giving a bad name to the name Conan. 
And uh, so they go back and they want to figure this out. But it's also there's sort of a look who's coming to dinner kind of aspect to this um, because apparently everybody in Samaria, they're like huge bigots and they're really not into th- these people from uh, from Shem, uh, which is where uh, Baelit uh, is from. So when Conan introduces Baelit to his mother, she assumes that it's a it's a slave that he's brought to, uh, you know, take care of their their homestead. And he's like, no, no, I'm actually having sex with this woman. And uh, also, and she looked exactly like Sidney Poitier. So that <laughs> I did, I did not expect that. I was like, that's, that's a bold yeah. Joke. So it's there's a, so there's a, it's it's a bit weird. And um, but it's a it's it's a great book. And and there's there's some people out there, some um, supposed Conan fans who are are bitching and griping about this this book, the design, especially what Becky Cloonan is doing in her issues, saying that Conan looks, you know, too fey or like emo or whatever. And um, just just respectfully, um, I think they've just been too indoctrinated with like the Schwarzenegger movies. And there there are other ways to interpret Conan. And and this guy can still kick everyone's ass. So I've got to say, I did feel like he was, I'm not talking about visually, I did feel like this version of him was a little more like no no just keep it cool we don't want to upset anybody i was like he's conan that's not that's not what conan does well i mean there's i mean i and think that, that, that is the schwarzenegger exactly thing the sword and sandal stuff like i think people expect him to be like this berserker and stuff and just be like this total meathead but part of the initial like uh, um explanation of who conan is by, by robert e howard is that he's like a very he's a very thoughtful uh sullen-eyed guy and He's sort of he's, – he's moody and, and he broods a lot. So – and this is a younger, you know, Conan. This isn't, uh, you know, when he's out there warfaring so much and before he was really a reaver. So this is, I think, a totally apt interpretation of the character. And I think the, the art's fantastic. I think the prose that's scattered throughout in the narration is, is wonderful. And really I really like this Baylet character. Um, she's very interesting and is not taking guff from uh, – uh, Mrs. Conan's mom. So um, I think it would have been really interesting if she if she had killed that girl. I think yeah. that was I think that was the right choice actually. Yeah, because she would have. Mm-hmm. But uh, but I'm also excited for you know the, the next few issues where we're going to see this guy and we we see a little bit of him towards the end of the issue. This this pretender uh, who looks a little bit like Conan and wears like crazy armor and is claiming to be Conan, doing some pretty heinous things. He's and, the '90s Conan. Yeah, Pouches so and armor and look yeah, yeah, exactly. On a so, horse. so when when with a sword. so when, so when these two finally meet up with that guy, there, there's going to be some hell to pay, and I think the people who want some crazy berserker Conan are gonna are gonna get it then. Well, Punk Rock Jesus number two came out. I'm still struggling about what I feel with the series. It's really heavy-handed. Uh, is, I guess it's is it supposed to be satire? Yeah, because if I mean like su- like super heavy handed satire, if that in that sense it works, but if it's supposed to be straight, then I, it's, it's rough. I think that there's I think that there's a touch of that, and I think that this is where you see Sean Murphy is he's got a lot of ideas, he's got a lot of things he he wants to go after, but I don't think that he's the most sophisticated storyteller ever. He's um, a great artist. The art oh, is, is the art, yeah, the art and the visual storytelling is very good. It's just, and, and, yeah, the, and that's from a from a standpoint of style it's stylistically interesting to the storytelling and sort of the mechanics of the drawing it's it's all very good i think i mean i think it's a little bit big and silly yeah no i think it's intentional yeah in the sense of uh you know like um like a starship troopers almost right right where yes. it's not that's a really good example full-on satire 
But when you step back and you look at it and you're like, that's a little ridiculous. And I feel like it's sort of that kind of tone. Mm-hmm. Let me um, go to the, the main guy. Is Thomas, is that his name? Yeah. The, 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 the guy who's trying to uh, really protect the kid and, and, and uh, the mother, uh, Gwen. The, there's a sense that he, like, he has like, a really pure and genuine and kind of an admirable kind of faith and conviction and I think that sort of saves it from the really broad stuff that he's doing with, like the, like the the Christian the the, the what the New Christians of America right. organization that that he's, he's he's using. So I think that there's some really broad stuff there, and and in in, in um, his depiction of like the media, both the people covering this on the news, like the the Larry King looking guy, and then also is it Slate, the guy who's like in charge of this reality show. I think that stuff is all intentionally very over the top. But then when you actually go into that, that main guy, I think he's saying there's, there's something very admirable and pure about his intentions. I just, I just think that Murphy's trying to juggle a lot of things in a, in a relatively short amount of time. And so it's difficult to get all those separated. Uh, so, but you know, worth reading i think it's interesting i think if this comic had come out 10 or 15 years ago people would still be talking about it today we didn't even mention the, the like polar bear who's just like palling around <laughs> like that's what i would want just, just there's just huge concepts it's it's uh it's a little neon genesis evangelion in that way uh going back to my anime roots but Awesome. I enjoyed it. Those are the books we wanted to talk about this week but you are part of the show as well by going to ifanboy.com slash comics you can make your pull list you can rate and review your books, and you can make your own pick of the week. And so we'd like to run down the top five picks of the week as chosen by the audience. And this is a very nice spread this week. Number five, Archer and Armstrong, number one, with 3.2% of the picks of the week votes. Number four was Godzilla, the half-century war, number one, with 14%. Number three was Punk Rock Jesus, number two, with 14.3%, just edging out Godzilla. And, of course, this is at the time of recording, so that might change. Number two was Batman, number 12, with 20.9% of the vote. Number one was Spider-Man, number four, with 37.4% of the vote. That's a strong list. So a good list and also a nice spread of, of votes there. You get the top three, I like, top four. I like to see that. Some yeah. of them weren't, you know, there was like, there's some Vertigo, there's the Valiant, there's, uh, there's IDW. Yeah. That's neat. Uh, DC and Marvel. Cool. Uh, Neb writes in with his user review of Fantastic Four, number 609, giving the story a three out of five and the art a three out of five, and the pick of the week percentage was 0% for anyone. And he says, this was an odd issue for me. I was really excited for it because it was Ryan Stegman's first issue of the series, and I've been a big fan of his since reading the She-Hulk's mini he did a few years ago. Is it me or does his art look really weird in this issue i mean when you look at and you look at scarlet scarlet spider number one his art was clean and the colors popped off the page it looked fantastic but here in this issue his art's all scratchy and rough and dark normally i don't mind this type of style but it makes his art look like a cheap version of david finch he i don't even like saying that it doesn't <laughs> yeah. it doesn't credit an inker in the issues so i'm assuming stegman did this himself which makes me think there's a purpose paul mounts also colors the issue in a really dark textual tones uh, which only adds to the effect i didn't love this issue yeah yeah, would yeah. you not love it from an art perspective or just overall? Um, overall, I thought the story. Every once in a while, Hickman's uh, does a, an issue that's, that's somewhat impenetrable and, or or, or too, uh, too far removed. And I thought this I think was that's why those. I stopped reading it at a certain point. But it's very rare. It's like one out of ten. Mm-hmm. And then I, I agree with with Neb in that it was a different kind of Stegman than I was used to from seeing his work on the She-Hulk. I didn't read uh, Scarlet Spider, but. It, it was not what I was expecting. It's very scratchy and dark. Is this the book where the, the Galactus corpse yes. image from mm-hmm. a, that that because that's beautiful? No, that I mean, was that's, a fantastic that's all I've page. seen. Yeah. But that was, page is just gorgeous and just. I was going to uh, say that um, 
Uh, he norm uh, Stegman normally works with an inker. Uh, it's the guy who did Scarlet Spider. It's a guy who's done his stuff before that, and he. Uh, they've been working together a long time, and he really smooths it out. Uh, he didn't work with that inker. He did ink himself on this one. And I, I, I didn't read it, so I can't tell, but I've seen preview pages. I saw the inks of a bunch of pages before they went up, and uh, I, I liked it. I thought it was a really I – th- I think it's just an interesting differential for a guy whose art can sort of go either way. He can totally do that sort of almost Mike Ringo kind of style, but then if he inks it himself, it looks a little different. I think it's, it's actually a really interesting look at what differences an inker or a – or a colorist can make yeah. on a book. Dix reviewed Batgirl number 12. Story, 3 out of 5. Art, 3 out of 5. Pick of the week percentage, no percent. Though the fight between Batgirl and Batwoman promised uh, by the cover is probably the highlight of the issue, Batwoman's inclusion in the story also feels sort of pointless. She adds nothing in particular to the story, nor is she following an obvious plot thread from her own book. It feels like an unnecessary crossover, but at least it isn't one of those blink-and-you'll-miss-it types. Batwoman's uh, wedged into the plot here and serves some contrived function. She doesn't just show up to deliver a few lines of dialogue and then vanish again. If you're a Batgirl reader, you'll probably want to look to someone who knows the series for a more proper review, but if you're a Batwoman reader and enticed by that cover, I can say that there's a little fun to be had, and it's not the worst two ninety nine you could spend this week. But this crossover is one you could easily ignore. I haven't, I haven't been reading Batgirl or Batwoman, but I think I might because J.H. Williams is coming back to Batwoman next in the next issue, so I might check it out just to see okay. uh, what's going on. But I haven't been reading either of these for a long time. But yeah, no, it's it's, it's sad because I I really dig you know both of these characters. Yep. Um, but it's just it, it wasn't you know kind of doing it for me. I don't know. Neither one is. Although they're going to be crossing over, or Wonder Woman's going to be showing up in Batgirl. I mean, Batwoman drawn by J.H. Williams. So I definitely might get that issue because I think that Wonder Woman's going to be in Batwoman. Yeah, with J.H. Okay. Williams on art. So That's I might cool. Definitely check that out. But other yeah, that'd be nice. Yeah. So those are the user reviews. You can go to ifanway.com slash comics, make your pull list, rate and review your books, and if they're good, and if there's a book we're not talking about in the main segment, we'll get it. You know, you can get it on the show. Make sure it's good. Um, in the meantime, if you're a creator or a publisher, you're looking for a way to get your book out there in front of as many eyes as possible, as easily as possible, graphically is the place for you is with the easiest solution. You can upload your books with their comic book, children's book, sketchbook, photography book, just about anything that's graphically based, cookbooks even. Uh, and just a few simple steps, you're on your way to getting into the Amazon Kindle store, the Barnes & Noble Nook store, Kobo, and of course the I- Apple iBook store. Uh, there's no need to have re- readers find a specific app made just for comics to find your book. You can get your book in front of the play- in front of readers in the place they're buying books, and those are those stores. You can find a full list of pricing and services at our website. Head over to graphically.com for more details. Listen, I- I've heard it said out there that Graphically is not doing comic books anymore. That's ridiculous. It's news to, it's just us wrong. Our, news to us in our daily meetings. That's what I'm saying. So, so definitely check that out if you're a creator. You'd be, you'd be silly to not at least check it out. That's what I think. Yep. On to our emails. Uh, first one is Benjamin W. of Strongsville, Ohio. I wish Strong. That was, that's a great name place. I've been reading comics all my life, but I only started reading mainstream comics with the new 52. I'm personally having an absolute ball reading Scott Snyder's Batman, but I've heard older fans talk about how the Court of Owls is a ripoff of the Black Glove. Thomas Wayne Jr. is Dr. Hurt, etc. My question is, is it harder for more well-read superhero comic fans like yourselves to look on big two stories with fresh eyes? Is what I consider new and exciting cliche and unoriginal for you guys? With so many thousands of comics under your belt, what does a story have to do to get you to stand up and take notice? That's a great question. First off, don't worry about that. I, yeah. I got to say, I think it's really funny that I, when he said ripoff, I thought it was going to be something old. And it was, yeah, was it's black not old at all. I was like, that just happened. Yeah. That's, yeah it's, it's, uh, that's, that's from like Morrison's run. And it's not. It's, I mean, there's, there's similar themes, but it's, uh, it's executed very differently. 
Very. It's all everything's about execution. The, the uh, he's he is right in the sense that there's you know in terms of complete originality, there's very little of it because they've been doing these superhero stories since 1938. But uh, it's all about how you execute it, the details and the characters, and it's that's where the variation comes from. And even if those things are similar, I think what what Snyder did with the Court of Owls is it's a much tighter, more organized story. I think there's still a lot of like loose threads from the you know the black glove stuff. It's I, not that not that that stuff is bad. I'm just saying that it, I don't think that it's as satisfyingly wrapped up. When you say older fans, do you think he means like guys who are like two, three years older? Or <laughs> he said, I heard older fans talk about the quarterback. It's, it's a relative term. I, uh, it's interesting because for me, uh, this is actually a, an ongoing issue for me in terms of mainstream superhero comics. Like they've got to really, for me personally to be interested in, they do have to work at it to bring something interesting or at least the kind of thing that, that I'm interested to to the table. Um, but there's also a whole other fan of, of a whole other version of comic book fans who want to read stuff they've read, or they want to you know, they want those familiar themes, those elements recurring, and and that's you know that's a a valid way to look at it, I suppose. Well, the, love what, love like what in, you love in any in any any media that it's it's the same story told differently. <clears throat> I mean, every love story is basically the same. It's a boy meets girl story. Boy loses girl. Boy gets girl back. I mean, that's just the, that's the story. It's just how you execute it and the details is what changes it. So comics are no different. You know. Yeah. Plus, there, there's also a lot of that. Comics used to retell the story before years, so it used to be a normal thing to retell the story because you have new readership. Now you don't, so things are a lot. You, you notice a lot more when you've been reading for thirty years than when you just read well, before. And so much of the readership has been around for a really long time now, so and they're old, so they sort of are demanding more. Yep. Thank Tim, also from Ohio, it's an all Ohio mailbag this time. Tim from Ohio says, "Let me start by saying I've always enjoyed comics, but just started actually reading ongoing series last fall, just after the start of the New Fifty Two. Look at that." I started with DC because of the clean slate and then moved on to Marvel, then Image, IDW, etc. But I've significantly cut my Marvel reading down to four books, three of which are Spidey-related, Amazing Spider-Man, Avenging Spider-Man, and Venom, and then Daredevil. Now I've always liked the X-Men. What, what kid from the 90s doesn't? So I had picked up some issues of Wolverine, Wolverine and the X-Men, which I read until AVX got going, and a couple of others, but dropped them all because I had no idea what was happening. There was so much I had missed in the years away from comics. Wolverine has clones and children, Magneto is good, and a bunch of other shit I can't remember. I also haven't even touched the Avengers books because there are just so many being published. I didn't want to waste any more time or money weeding out the crap. I also had attempted to read Avengers vs. X-Men, but I, it was so bad that I couldn't get past round two. And that made me drop the only X-Men book I was reading, even rem- remotely joying Wolverine and the X-Men, because I didn't care to read anything related to AVX. Now, getting past my long-winded explanation, where, where do you expect to see the Avengers and the X-Men lines going after this universe-changing event? Universe-changing in quotes. Do you think they may, may be condensing them down to just a few outstanding books in each line, or will they continue with the confusing, convoluted, and overstretched mess that currently exists? And will the universe actually change, or will this just be Civil War all over again? I would love to be able to read some X-Men and Avengers books, but I'm worried that nothing will ever change, and the universe will just get more confusing than ever, and that I'll never actually be able to enjoy the characters that I love so much without reading a complete history of the last 60 years beforehand. Uh, yes. <laughs> <laughs> um, well, you've got... You've got Hickman taking over the Avengers, right? And and then there's going to be a, re- a remainder Avengers book. Well, the answer the answer is actually no. no it's it's not going to ch- change because they're not condensing it down. They're they're publishing the same amount of books. Nothing. It just it's just musical chairs. It's different creators involved in different aspects of or different corners of the uh, Marvel universe. What he describes as trying to read X Men book is what I've gotten every time I've ever tried to read an X Men book, and it's not that it's confusing; it's that I'm not interested in it because it's not speaking. <laughs> As a new reader, except for when I read 
uh, Astonishing X-Men by Whedon, basically. That was one of the only times that I was like, all right, I can, I can get into this as a thing on its own. But I feel like for a long time, X-Men has been about, uh, you know, servicing and, and, and rechecking back into this huge, I don't want to say convoluted because I don't necessarily think it's a negative. It's just not my thing. The th- this thing that, that Chris Claremont set up. And it's just people riffing on that over and over again. And every time they want to goose what happened, you know, <laughs> this character's coming back. And it's some, you know, one of those odd Claremont characters. And now if you've got like Ron, like he digs on that. He's been around it for a long time. I remember, you know, over the past 10 years or so, every time somebody came on X-Men that I was interested in, whether it was Brubaker or Mike Carey or Jason Aaron, you know, like I was like, all right, I'll give this a shot. I'll try it. And I always sort of lost interest because there would be some, you know, two, three issues in, there'd be some last page reveal of some character who yeah, I, I I don't think any of that applies to Wolverine and the X Men at all, not even a little bit. Yeah, I would no. so I would say I would say after AVX wraps up, maybe drop into that again. Yeah. Even during AVX, it has only barely. Well, he's saying he's not digging it during AVX, so I'm saying maybe after the event's over. Yeah, that's true. Try it, to it see very, where things It are. is very accessible though that book. Yeah, I have I have no doubt. I just uh, there's there's no one reading comics, and I say no one that means it's probably ten. Who have read the complete sixty-year history of all these characters? You don't. There's no one. I know. You don't. You don't have to have read all these books to enjoy them. And I think that's a fallacy that a lot of comic readers place on themselves because because the completist mindset is, is pervasive. But you, you you can jump in and, and suss out things. I don't know a lot about the X Men, but I always jump in. I, I enjoy large swaths of Remender's uh, Uncanny uh, X Force. I agree with um, that. But and and there's stuff that like it's totally not it's like it's in my blind spot i totally don't i i know i don't appreciate everything that's going on in that book but there but he's telling in in such a way that sometimes i want to seek out more information other times i don't need to i just i can kind of get it through context it's not not every issue or storyline works for me but enough of it does that i i really recommend that series and like i said it's there's going to be bendis is going to be bringing back you know the early X-Men stuff. To Tim, and, uh, to Tim I would say, we don't know because we haven't read the books, but I would say at least when Marvel Now starts, check out the first issue of the, of the characters you want to read about. Because if they do their job, they need to make these books accessible to new people. That's and great. Doesn't mean by, that doesn't mean they're going to wash away 60 years of continuity, which they should, but they're not. It means they're going to try to write them from a place where you can get all the context you need from the story. So if you like the X-Men, check out Bendis' all-new X-Men. If you like the Avengers, Hickman's going to be writing the Avengers in a totally new paradigm than what they are now. So it's got to be it's got to be accessible from the get-go otherwise they're going to fail. Know, Grant Morrison's new X-Men actually didn't suffer from that either. Now it was a question of whether people liked that story. Mm-hmm. I think, but I, I read through a lot of that. I think I, you get a lot of old school Claremont fans hated it like Ron and then exactly. people who weren't loved it. So I think that because he went so far from Oh, I and mean, then he did reference stuff. It's just a, No, he totally did. It's all about and, but, it's all about execution and, and context when they do it in a good, good And way. even then when you're when you're a newbie reading, you know, astonishing X-Men and 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 new X-Men, that there's stuff in there that I totally have no idea what the hell they were talking about, but I just like I just went past it like the Cuckoo Sisters and like the weird bugs living down in the, you know, below the X-Mansion. I just like I breezed by it and I, I, I went at it for other stuff. Yeah, so there's stuff there. I mean, you have to get past the idea that you need to know everything. But again, Marvel now, if they do their job, you should at least check out the ones you're interested in. If, if not, then, then you know, don't read them. Just read whatever else you're reading. You've got plenty. There's plenty out there. That's very so true. Um, so those are the voicemails from the week. Emails. Uh, we are gonna, that's emails. We are going to skip the voicemail this week because we, we talked so much. Talk so much. If you want to write to us, you can contact that ifanboy.com. And if you want to do a voicemail, it's 888 fanboys, which is 226 269. 
Seven. Wow, off the top of your head. It's not even in the script. <laughs> uh, we also do other podcasts. So on Monday, you want to check out Don't Miss. You don't want to miss Don't Miss. Ron will be uh, talking to Mike Allred about uh, the latest issue of Daredevil featuring Stiltman. So that's very exciting. Yeah. Heyo. Uh, we also have the Make Comics podcast, which is a short informational podcast to those who are interested in making comics from various different ways or those who just like to know how it's done. I talked to Andy Schmidt of Comics Experience on a weekly basis. We pick a short topic and, and go over it. I can't remember what's next week, but we just did uh, graphic designers in comics. And I believe that about 75% of the people on our website are graphic designers. So that <laughs> yeah. might be interesting. This is episode 347. Which means in three weeks, we'll have episode 350. And long li- time listeners will know that on the 50s, we do an all-email show. Oh, I, th- I thought KG Beast was going to come back. <laughs> <laughs> he might. On the fi- and it, so episode 350, we're going to do an all-email show, which means uh, we, will re- we will review the pick of the week book, and then we will go to an all-email show. The show will go for a long time, longer than normal, usually around two hours. Insufferable. Uh, usually Josh likes to have a cocktail during the show. I, I can't think of a lot of times when I don't. <laughs> um, I like to have I like to have one, but stop at one. Uh, <laughs> so uh, <laughs> it's funny to hear you say that. And that's I don't know if that I don't know what that says about you. I'm leaving it there. It seems to be popular. The last time we did this, it was our I think our third most popular show of all time. So the ABL show will be happening in three weeks, which means it's up to you to provide us the content. So if you write into contact.ifanboy.com with subject line 350. And the deadline is August 29th at 6 p.m. Pacific time. So you've got three more hours than normal since I moved. So you've got to August 29th, which is, a w- which is Wednesday, three Wednesdays from, from this or whenever you're listening. Actually, you could be listening in the future, so it could have been uh, four years ago. But August 29th, 6 p.m. Pacific time, subject line 350. If you want to get your emails to the show, we've got some old emails stacked up. We'll stick them in there, too. But if you want to get anything new into the show, please send that. And since there's going to be so many emails, make them good because in the past, we've just stuck any old thing in there. But... Uh, yeah, make them good. Episode 350 is coming up, so we'll be teasing. You know what else is special about August 29th? Nine days after my 28th birthday, so just God. putting that out there. Guys, it's two days after my, my, my seventh anniversary. So. I got nothing going on that week, so I'm wide open. <laughs> you, you should get a thing, because you're going to feel really left out. Yeah. Paul, remember when you, when you started hanging out on iFanboy and you were like 22? I think so. God. What happened? Could what you happened? grow a beard back then? Yes. I've had a beard since I was in sophomore year of high school. Middle school. That's amazing. So check out ifanboy.com for the for you. It's amazing. For my pick of the week review, Josh's p- book of the month review, which is Parker's <laughs> thirty-one. The, the score. <laughs> uh, we'll be talking about the book of the month next week when Ron comes back because he would punch us all in the penises if we talked about it without him. Uh, you can go to <laughs> that guy is all about cocks now. <laughs> the black kiss thing. Yeah, you go there for all the the comics news every week. There's a lot of Marvel Now stuff. If you've been lo- waiting to find out what the Marvel Now books are, we've been we've been revealing them, or everyone's been revealing them this week. But we've had the coverage. You can go to fanboy.com/slash/about to find our staff pages, to see our social network links, to be our friends online. You can follow us at twitter.com/slash/ifanboy and at facebook.com/slash/ifanboy to follow the all the action. The video show is now over. We have done our coverage for San Diego. Uh, we are done with San Diego coverage. We did daily interviews for two and a half weeks or so. and we I was up Some good time. ones. The Crazy Kirkman episode finally came out in which, in which <laughs> the San Diego Comic-Con security tried to force us out of the building in the middle of the interview because the show was closed, and that was fun. Forever. You know why we can never do any more again? Because I had a good conversation with James Robinson on camera. And he didn't turn his back to you like a shunned younger son who no. disgraced the family. Right. 
It was great. You gave great answers. I was really, I really liked that. So you can find those video interviews on youtube.com slash iFanboy. You can find them on, on, uh, on your iTunes aggregator. You can find them on, on your boxes. I think it's on the Roku box. And alligator. You saw, I think it's on, well, I'm not sure where it is, but it's all over the place. Uh, anyway, we're on, an we're on USA between White Collar yeah. and Burn Notice. We're the bumper. It's a weird bumper between the two. Um, uh, what is Burn Notice? Nine hours of Burn no Notice. All right, Josh, take us home. All right. You, like I said just moments ago, you can email us at contact.ifanboy.com or leave us a voicemail at 888-FANBOYS, which is 326-2697, which I do know off the top of my head. Although if I think about it, I can't. I'll just, I'll just relate it like a, like a trance. Um, if you are sending in a voicemail, make sure to uh, tell us who you are, keep it snappy, so and, and have a good question. Yeah. Um, and that, that's all. You know, be yourself. Have fun. But, you know, have fun with it. it's for air. Let's just have this one for fun. We'll do the next one as a take. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. You know, I could, I could, uh, I could grow a beard. I couldn't grow a mustache, so I had this, this Lincoln thing oh, going on. Nice. So I was that kid. You had chin beard. You had Amish. I, had, I did. I had a chin strap. If you dig us, write us a review in iTunes, or better yet, tell your friends about us. Introduce your mom to podcast. Spread the iFanboy word with your iTunes alligator. It's true. Don't fuck with the iTunes alligator. <laughs> I had it's a an alligator that opens its mouth, and there's a, a YouTube embedded video in there. I had I had a goatee in high school because it was 90, you know, 94, 95. That's what you did. Uh, that's a good point about the goatee that it was 94, 95. I'm just putting that out there. Yeah, that's what that's what happened. I had one of those. I fun. couldn't grow one back then. I was literally 31. <laughs> it was when it was when uh, you got laid off, Connor, yeah. and I was left in that office, and I was like, "Fuck it, I'm not shaving anymore." <laughs> Little... I remember you had a beard. You had um, like the grim winter of was it like ninety seven? It was your Arthur beard. Oh yeah, I grew a beard. Yeah, in college. That was the first time I ever grew a beard. It was in college. Yeah, that was fun. The there was winter. there's no real like like cultural excuse for my Lincoln beard at that time. That there's no there wasn't an epoch for that kind of beard. It's just I could do that, so like, I did it. It worked out well when I was in my uh, high school production of uh, A Christmas Carol. And I played a uh, a Dickensian uh, villager. So uh, that's it for this week's show. <laughs> I'm Paul Francis Montgomery Jr. I'm Connor Sean Kilpatrick. I am Joshua Haysworth Flanagan. Oh wow! That's <laughs> I wish. <laughs> I didn't want to give my middle name because you know the internet. Yeah. People can have my identity if they want. It's fine. <laughs>